Hello everyone and welcome to In This Economy, the podcast where young people from Zimbabwe and around the world discuss how they are navigating life in the current economic circumstances. With me, your host, Kim Nyajeka. Now, before getting into this week's episode, I first would like to send a huge thank you to everyone who tuned into episode one, Becoming In This Economy. The comments, feedback, engagement, everything was overwhelming and I really, really, really appreciate the support. And I hope to continue creating content that you enjoy and can relate to. Now this week, my, my guest and I will be discussing mental health in this economy. Um, we're going to be looking at how the circumstances have impacted our mental health and also share a little bit about our experiences in therapy. So um, I've never been one to shy away from discussing these issues, but I do understand the content of this episode may be triggering or upsetting to some. So I will be sure to share information about mental health resources that are readily available in Zimbabwe. And I would really appreciate if you as the listeners, wherever you are in the world, could share any more information, but also about your experiences with counseling or therapy and all the issues that come with that. Your engagement means everything to me so thank you so much in advance please be sure to follow the podcast on instagram at at in this economy podcast and follow me your host at kim Yajeka, on twitter so yes i hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as i had a great time recording it and yeah let's get into it Right. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the episode. Today, I'm joined by Chipo Faith, coming to us all the way from Cyprus. Hi, Chipo. Hi. Hi, Kim. How are you doing? Good. I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. Thank you so much for joining us. Awesome. Thank you so much for letting me grace your platform. Uh, So do you just want to introduce yourself before we get into it? Sure thing. So... As, as as Kim has said, I'm Chipo, Chipo Faith. Um, I'm a content marketer and digital consultant who is currently based in Cyprus. When I'm not working, I am reading, indulging in social media and catching up on latest music. I'm also a mental health enthusiast, not enthusiast, advocate, advocate. But um, yeah, I think that's about me in a, in a nutshell. Thanks so much. Yeah, so the reason I invited you for this episode is because you're such a mental health advocate on social media. So I thought it would be fun to unpack mental health in this economy. Now, I think it goes without saying that wherever you are in the world, I feel like there's mental health crises. Although I sometimes get the vibe that there's just too much information out there and the danger of like self-diagnosing yourself with things is just like, it's, it's wide. But it's really bad. Yeah. In in your opinion, what do you think is the biggest contributor to the mental health crises for young people today? Oh, that's that's a pretty loaded question. And yeah. I remember even when you sent it, I was just like, yeah, no, there's there's a lot mm-hmm. that's actually contributing to the current mental health crisis that's out there. Um, I always have like this underlying suspicion that there's kind of always been a mental health situation stemming back from like our parents' generation, considering everything that they went through, but there wasn't as much, there wasn't as much accessibility and openness to talk about it, which I think, you know, 
is what we're seeing now. And which has kind of led to that, what you just mentioned, you know, the whole self-diagnosis thing where people, you know, are really sharing like different symptoms of this could be you if you have ADHD, this could be you if you have depression, et cetera, et cetera, which is, you know, people trying to be helpful, but at the same time, it's like, um, it's a little bit dangerous because you're not meant to be the self-diagnosing, you know, a mental health condition. Um, but what I would definitely say is I would just, you know, casually gesture at the world around us and say, like, you can t- pick and choose your your contributing factor. There's the current economy. There's, the, there's everything that millennials are going through, you know, not being able to hit the same goals that our parents' generation hit, um, trying to navigate a global pandemic, and also, you know, seeing the rolling effects of what's happened after that, you know, human beings just refusing to collectively help each other. Mm. Um, I'd say social media also has played a part. There's a veil that allows people to just act, just to act without, just act in a kind of way that doesn't help. So, you know, we always see it online where people say social media is not the place for nuanced conversation. And I agree because you could have someone saying, I like apples and 10 people come to you and say, well, why don't you like pears? And you're like, what? yo, I was just, here minding my business saying i like apples why and that stuff does take a toll on you um more than you realize we're consuming so much information and because there's so many things happening at the same time we take that all in not realizing that it does affect us when you're seeing one article right now about global warming then the whales are extinct then oh the economy is crashing then oh don't forget our currency doesn't mean anything oh this is a you're not going to be fine at the end of the day like you're just not so i think there's a lot and that's not even touching on already like the things that we deal we've had to deal with in our childhoods in our family setups in the country that come from Zimbabwe. it's a lot Mm. there's just so much that's affecting us at the same time no most definitely and i completely agree like it's so layered but on the social media aspect i understand that social media is curated but personally like for me i'm like yeah but that's not part of your life like you can create you can curate your life to look like that i'm here like i can't um that's 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 my that's true mental health issue when it comes to social media <laughs> i'm just like yeah. yeah that's true it is true because it's like you know people will curate their lives and you know, the privileges that they may have money or accessibility or whatever. Like, you know, I'd like to think that there's a certain way you can kind of curate your life in America. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit easier compared to, you know, in in Zim or yeah. in South Africa without that, you know. I mean, you could just go to like Rodeo Drive and just stand there and just be like, yo, which Rodeo Drive are we going to go to? <laughs> you can stand out of that interest by Sam Levy's baby. But it's like I'm not invalidating what you know people in the states are going through because yeah they they're going that country yeah yeah rather them than me but <laughs> you know that curation thing it's there are little there it's the little things it's the little functionalities that you know we don't have like the hoops we have to jump through just to have a functional you know business day while working from home it'd be very different to what someone in the United Kingdom maybe because they don't need to worry about whether the internet is going to switch off or not. They don't need to worry about whether the electricity is going to last through the whole day or not. They don't need to worry about how they're going to receive payment. It's just there. Those added layers of stress are there for us. So it's not just a simple job. It's, I need to keep my job and I need to make sure that this doesn't happen because if this doesn't happen, who's going to support me? What's going to happen? 
And we're in that constant cycle of trying to survive and trying to stay afloat. And that's, it's not healthy. I do agree. And I think it's interesting. You mentioned that you feel that there's been a health, a mental health crisis since our parents' generation and quite possibly before that. Um, But there wasn't as much information. People weren't open to talking about it as they are, well, as they appear to be now. Because I do think Mm -hmm. that there is still a lot of stigma around mental health discussions. But for our parents, you know, um, even when uh, I, I'm not speaking for everyone, but even when you acknowledge some mental health issues, a lot of the time you get the response, which you hate, that's not in our culture, that's not something we discuss, you know, that that usual very dangerous rhetoric. And by yeah. our culture, I, I don't have like a definition for what our culture is, but there are things that people like their bad habits or forms of oppression or these kinds of things that tend to be justified because it's not in our culture you know we are Mm -hmm. this tribe of people or we're a christian nation it's not in our culture so my next question is what role do you think our culture in the broader sense of the term contributes to the mental health crises in zimbabwe specifically i think like you you really summed it up really well it's it's you can't talk about the stigma without talking about the different facets of the culture that we have um mainly in I'd say mainly in Africa because it's 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 a continental problem because we all you know you find us all laughing over the same thing on Twitter and you're like wait we all have the same trauma of not being able to openly express our mental health and it's wild because it does come from different directions. One you said like you know from a family slash um cultural perspective where they don't recognize it. To them, you say you're depressed. They say, "Okay, well, go and go and be happy, or exactly. stop." <laughs> you're like, oh, "Okay, sure, yeah, mm-hmm. that easy." Yeah, sorry, I I forgot to press the happy button. Yeah, or you're being told to pray, or you're told that you're worrying about something in your life and God is not blessing you, and because of that, you need to go find some form of sin that's causing your depression. And you're like, "You, you know, it's or you need to go see, you know." You need to go see a healer. Or you need to go see someone. And I'm like, yeah, these people can help, but they're not going to be able to identify the actual roots of what what's causing your depression. And sometimes it's not even about a cause. It's not always like, you know, cause and effects. Sometimes you are depressed just because you are, because it's a mental condition. Your brain chemistry is not working the way it's supposed to. You're not producing as much serotonin as you're supposed to be. And it's just is the way it is. And you need help for that. But we don't have the room to do that um, because it's seen as a, it's seen as a fleeting thing. And I think because our parents' generation, you know, they had to deal with war, they had to deal with, you know, exiting colonialism and then dealing with the rolling effects of, you know, the government that we have and everything like that. They, to them, they've been in like constant survival mode. They've just been told, you know, get with it. And now they see us and they're like, yeah, well, why are you not dealing with it? Why are you falling apart? Not realizing that they're also passing on their traumas to us, unfortunately, because you can't, you can't curb adult with trauma. It's going to affect someone. And that's even for people now in our generation, like you may think that you're holding on to it, that you're curbing your issues, but you're not, you're hurting someone. Mm -hmm. And usually more than that, you're hurting yourself. And it is hard, you know, even now, like it was not a few weeks ago, some troll was, did a whole thread on why depression is not 
relevant or it's a privileged thing. And I'm just like, are you, excuse my question, but I was like, are you stupid? Like literally I was just like, are you, are you stupid? What, what do you mean? It's a privileged thing to not, to, to, to deal with a condition like that, to deal with anxiety, to deal with, you know, any facet of mental health, there's nothing enjoyable about it. I, I have not met a single person who actually is happy. They're like, oh, sorry, yeah, I'm dealing with this and I'm so happy about it. Yeah. But um, that culture is within us. Unfortunately, as much as we're trying to be progressive in our generation, there are a lot of people who aren't. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who are sticking with it for their own reasons. Some people it's legit. They're dealing with so much. They're like, hey, I ain't got time to deal with depression. You know, I'm just trying to find a way to put food on the table every day. I'm just trying to find a way to make my salary work. I'm trying to find a way to get out of the country. I'm trying to find a way to survive. And when you really are in survival mode, it is very hard to put, you know, your well-being first because you're just trying to get out. And that contributes to it. That's an element of it where people just say, just keep going until it gets better. Pray without ceasing until you're fine. And that Christian nation thing is very toxic because it is it has contributed to a lot, a lot of the strain that you see people going through. So yeah, I'd say that the culture that's there right now is not very encouraging. Mm-hmm. It's not very encouraging of mental health. That's all you tell your family and when you're crying or you're laughing, they're like, ah, so it's not when we're depression. Why are you, now suddenly you're laughing. <laughs> I see. Or your friends, like, you know, you know, suddenly it becomes a jerk and you're like, guys, it's not, it's not a laughing matter. Yeah. But unfortunately, that's how it's being dealt with. And it, it discourages people from wanting to even speak up about it in the first place. And do you think that there's any way to challenge this? Um, I know it almost seems like a huge thing. It's a huge barrier where you tell your family or your friends you have depression. It becomes a running joke, like you said, um, or it's just dismissed as something that's like fixable without really trying to get to the root of the trauma or the root of the problem. Is there a way to challenge this at all? With I think the best way to challenge it is to is to keep speaking about it mm. because shame thrives in silence. And that's the one thing that is used on people to keep them quiet is shame. Mm. So the best way to do it is, unfortunately, it's usually the people who are dealing with mental health issues who have to speak about it the most. I advocate for mental health so much because I deal with depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. So, and I've been in a situation where um, I've been seen as weak or less than because of it, or that weird Christian over there who's dealing with depression, what's wrong with you? But through being open about it, I'd also be that person people would come to, to talk to on the side and be like, hey, I'm also dealing with it. It would annoy me because I'm just like, the energy that you used before, why can't you come and be, you know, mm-hmm. why can't you come and be as upfront about But at the same time, I'm like, yo, at least you're acknowledging your issues, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, but it's also exhausting because it's like, we shouldn't have to be the ones doing it. But yeah, unfortunately, that is what it is. Um and I think there are safer ways to facilitate these conversations instead of just saying, hey, if you're dealing with this, 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 that means that you could be dealing with, you know, major depressive d- disorder or something. Because a lot of these conditions have similar, yeah, they have similar symptoms. So mm-hmm. what you may think is ADHD might be depression or high-functioning high depression or your depression might be a byproduct of the AD, attention deficit disorder you have or you know, but the only way you can do that is, you know, seeing a mental health professional, mm-hmm. which is a barrier of its own. But I'm not going to touch on that right now. But I think the best way is to keep is to keep talking about it in a way that's constructive to create 
safe spaces for people to share. Um, and to pick your battles wisely, I wouldn't say go in and debate with every single person who invalidates mental health because part of mental part of protecting your mental health is also picking your picking your battles wisely. Not every person you don't need to fight every person, mm-hmm. but if you do find an opportunity to create a space where someone who is willing to learn will learn, you can either point them in the direction of helpful resources because there are enough on the internet right now, or you can just you know, keep doing it within your personal capacity. I used to be on the internet fighting with people about everything, but including people who would invalidate mental health. And like you said earlier, there's no room for nuanced discourse on the internet. And it would just be so exhausting. And I find myself so sad and so tired that people would be denying the existence of these issues. And the biggest help for me was just logging off and Whenever you see those problematic threads or posts, just being like, oh, shame. So, yeah, um, you mentioned seeking help from mental health professionals, which in this economy, um, I don't know wherever you are in the world, is a lot. I remember when um, I saw on social media that Ariana Grande had donated, I think it was like $3 million dollars to better health so that people could have free access to the like the online counseling services that the app offers. And um, mm-hmm. someone replied that like, oh, congratulations to the two people who can finally get there. <laughs> because it's so expensive oh, um, to, to get any kind of help, any kind of evaluation. Um, you'll see it on your medical aid that it's covered, but you need a referral from your GP. Your GP wants... In Zimbabwe, for example, your GP wants 60 bucks for a consultation for you to get that referral. Then you get the referral, you go to the mental health professional, and the waiting list is goodness knows how long, because in Zimbabwe, there's so few licensed therapists. And by therapist, I'm using psychiatrists, psychologists, like they are not enough at all in the country for the population. And in other countries, I don't know what it's like in Cyprus, but but you'd also want to have a therapist who you can relate to. So what is the likelihood that I'm going to be in the diaspora? I'm going to find a black firstborn daughter, which is a, a, a trauma in and of itself. A first someone who can relate to my firstborn daughter issues, someone who can relate to my all girls school issues, someone who can relate to so all of these things, wherever I'm at in the world, that's very, very difficult. My question, my next question for you is, have you ever been to therapy or had counseling of any kind? And was it helpful? Yeah, I'm actually currently in therapy. Um, Been in therapy actively for the last, I started in 2019 Mm -hmm. and took a break um, and then picked it back up beginning of last year. Sorry, it's been a blend since then. I've been attending sessions like at least I have two sessions a month, mm-hmm. which is good because at some point it was every week. Yeah. Um, and I was fortunate enough to find a therapist who whose grades were not frightening mm-hmm. um, and was based in Zimbabwe and, you know, could relate to a lot of the issues that I was presenting because I had seen other therapists I'm on the island here. Um, the university that I attend, um, attended, they have... Um, a therapy center, uh, uh, yeah, a mental health center where they have licensed therapists who offer therapy to students for free. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and there's a psychiatrist as well, which is good. I'm not going to lie. That's actually where I first started. And that therapy helped me realize that the relationship I was in at the time was actually not a healthy relationship at all and helped me navigate a lot, especially in my final year of university. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only barrier, there was a slight barrier of like language um, because the therapist was uh, Turkish Cypriot. Yeah, she was, she was Turkish Cypriot. And yeah, sometimes we would have like, you know, minor, what do you mean by that? But most of them are actually really good from what I know. Mm-hmm. I think the only gripe that I'd have here is... Mm, they really are very eager about dispensing medication mm. and not in a, oh, you need medication, but just everybody be getting medication. Everybody yeah. be medicated. It's not, it's very extreme. It's like medication that's very debilitating. And I know a few people who've actually quit because of it, but I also know that sometimes these things are circumstantial. Like I recently went back on medication two months ago. And I had to see a psychiatrist for that here. And honestly, it was just pure luck that I was able to find a psychiatrist here who actually get got, got it or gets it. Um, I don't think it's location specific. I think that's generally, it's a general issue of trying to find a therapist who fits you, who also fits your bank account and who also fits, you know, your needs. Mm-hmm. Same with the psychiatrist or psychotherapist. People kind of assume, and I think that's the language that's been put out there is get into therapy and you'll be fine. It's like, no, <laughs> you won't be fine for a while. Mm-hmm. You will not be fine for a while because uh, you're going to, you think you're going there for one issue and then you realize that you're there for years and years of issues and coming to terms with a lot of truths and it's it's a lot i'd always i'd say like if you can get through like the first three months of therapy then i think you're good because those first three months are rough but that's generally as is and that's if you find someone that you know you can gel with you can easily say i don't think this therapist is for me and i don't and you're not the problem you need to be able to be because this is a space where you're being 125% 125% like vulnerable. Mm. So ideally it would need to be someone you're comfortable with. Someone who, not someone who coddles you, but someone, you know, you can really trust to unpack your issues. Um, and I use that word issues, like not issues in the sense of you got problems, but just the things that you're dealing with or mm. we're dealing with everyone. Everybody got issues. So I think some of the barriers, it's, it's cost. It's um, if you're in the diaspora, you're, Therapy is expensive. And I've even heard that, you know, even if you opt for the free options like in the UK, there's a waiting list. So three months to get diagnosed and you're there. What are you doing in those three months? Your mental health is going to be like, oh, we're going to wait. No, <laughs> you get worse. Yeah. Um, it's a crisis. And I understand that what some people are doing in, to avert it is, you know, there are a lot of mental health advocates and enthusiasts who are trying to set up their own platforms. And I'm like, that's good, but dangerous because you are not a licensed therapist. Therapist. Mm. So while you're all you are well-meaning and wanting to be there for people, you cannot successfully help them. And that's something that I was I, I'm even wary of as well because I do a lot of work that involves like encouraging people. We're talking about like you know things that um that we deal with, and sometimes people want to come and unpack with me and I'm like yo 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 no 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 not me not me especially with this recent episode depressive episode I've been dealing with it's allowed me to really become aware of my boundaries so I'm like yeah I don't have the facilities for this mate Mm -hmm. not me 
I can listen. I can try and support you. But ultimately, I'm going to point you in the direction of someone. It's like trying to see someone who's not a doctor to help your ankle. Just because they've watched a few videos or they've read a few books. I'm like, it's not the same. You have to go to a doctor. Yeah. Go to a doctor the same way you go. Because therapists are doctors. Mm. Just in a different way. So it's it's a still a lot that I think needs to be built up because the system's also relatively new. People are just getting as much as there's so much information, people are still just getting to accept that mental health is a thing and these resources are important and they need to be facilitated. And that means, you know, making it accessible, you know, making it affordable and also normalizing conversations that, hey man, maybe your current therapist isn't for you. Let's try find another one yeah. if you can. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being so open as well about your own journey and what you've been through and what you're currently going through. Um, I really appreciate that a lot. I think um, it really adds to like a richness to what you're saying. It's not just, you know, go see a therapist, but there are, there can be issues when you take that route, you know. Um, I myself have been going to therapy for a year now. From the outside looking in, I'm definitely not like our culture would paint it like you have a house, you have internet, you have money to buy a microphone to start a podcast. Like, why are you sad? Um, mm -hmm. But these things are very nuanced. It's um, it's a difficult thing to actually be like, hey, I'm not doing well and I do need help. And it is helpful. But I also understand that talk therapy or whatever it is may not be for everybody but I do recommend that as a starting point you do at least try it especially if you have access to it and I think access is the most difficult part because it's nice for us to sit here and be like yeah no I've done it I've done it but there's certain you know like privileges and accessibilities that most people don't have they they just they don't and with what you've said that, you know, when you're in spaces where you're encouraging people and helping people through your work, you also realize the boundary where you're like, I'm not a mental health professional, so I can only help you, the help I can give you can only go so far, right? Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, with the inaccessibility of mental health facilities or healthcare providers, that these things are so inaccessible, how best do you think like us as young people can support each other, especially in the current economic environment where if it's not outside things, you know, a big issue with comparison just comes with the fact that you feel like you're not making enough money. And then you put so much pressure on yourself thinking, oh, when my parents were my age, I was doing they were doing this. And if you can get over that quickly, you're going to log into Instagram and you're going to see mm -hmm. that person you used to struggle with in LLB buying their first car or their apartment no this is not a personal story um but and now that's just not happening um and it's not you don't see it happening anytime soon like yeah own race own yeah. place. but yo guys it takes a while for it to to get to the point where you've said your affirmations you've said like that's okay I'm on my own journey and you're really just looking at yourself like guys this this, this yeah this is a lot of things, but it ain't it. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think it's the best way we can support each other, you know, during that time when you are waiting for your appointment for three months or you are trying to raise a little bit of money to go see a counselor or, you know what I mean? Like, what can we do for each other? Um, what do you think is best and safe? I wish we could be nicer to each other. Hmm. That would probably be a good step. I know that sounds very, very fluffy, but I'm like, 
honestly, and I say this every time, my social media preference is Twitter, which probably contributes like at least 15% to <laughs> some of the issues that I deal with. But I'm like logging into that app. Like I log in and I'm like, you know, this isn't healthy, right? But because um, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. It's the source of like, you know, Twitter for me is a source of information. It's a source of laughter, you know, banter. But when it's really not okay, and it's unfortunate that even as much as you try to curate your information or curate your timeline, people that you follow and that you know you enjoy their their, their content will engage with trolls. So now you still see it. Mm. But I would definitely say if we could just be, if we could take time to listen to each other, that would be helpful. Mm-hmm. I think it would be helpful to have that space, have more spaces to be heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and not necessarily heard with the intent of being fixed or heard with the intent of, you know, a solution because some, some problems, you can't find that solution. Mm-hmm. But just heard with the intent of, okay, here, here, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. And I think we can do that in the capacity as friends. Mm-hmm. I know my friends have held a lot of space for me as I've, you know, done for them mm-hmm. um, or we've done for each other in the times where therapy wasn't an option. Mm-hmm. Um, and that wouldn't look like, you know, emotionally dumping and expecting them to fix. Sometimes you just sit there and you're like, yo, guys, you're just like, yeah, bro. And you're like, mm. Mm-hmm. like this year, one <laughs> of the things that I've been through this year, I'm just like, it, um, like I said, my therapy is biweekly. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that space, um, which has been growth for me, and my therapist did highlight that. She's like, yo, bro, this was you like two years ago. You would have been sending me a message at four in the morning you've grown past that and you're able to handle the situation. And even when you speak to your friends, you're able to, you know, curate what you say and don't say so that, you know, it's not like you're making, you're, you're emotionally dumping on them mm-hmm. as emotionally dumping is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like I said, sometimes people don't have the facilities to help with what you're doing, what you're going through. And that's okay because we're not all therapists, but I think definitely creating, holding room for each other. I think another way, being mindful of the content that we consume, mm. it's hard to, because it's hard to, you know, to avoid a lot of things and you just, you bump into things. Um, but if you can kind of like, and this is on an individual level, if you can, you know, tweak mm. what you take in, it, it makes a difference. It does make a difference. Yeah. Um, I think also becoming more aware of the mental health resources, the, the credible resources around us mm. that can be used. Um, I think that would be, I think that would be very, it would be beneficial. Mm. Um, if people know that, hey, okay, I need help, where do I go? Mm. And, you know, there being a verified list of, okay, you can go here. And by verified, I mean like a therapist has looked at that list and said, I know this person or I know this entity, go for it. Because sometimes people just be posting anything and you're like, yo, and it's again, well-meaning, but if you are not a licensed and trained therapist or counselor or psychologist, and I say counselor, not Christian counselor, because sometimes Christian counselors, (laughs) let me tell you. Yeah, I'm like, if you are not a therapist, I don't care how much you feel it's your calling. If it's your calling, raise the money, raise the money, start a GoFundMe to go and get the license there, the license that you need so that you don't go and damage other people's children in the name of the Holy Spirit told me to. Oh, yeah. Because that's a problem. It's okay. It's not your time. Refer them to someone who can help. And I think that's across the board for anyone who wants to help. If you can't, if you know you don't have, don't don't risk it, guys. Or you might end up onboarding a patient or a or someone who is not 
who you're not meant to be helping. Mm. Because it is very tricky dealing with mental health issues because sometimes, and it might not be their own fault, sometimes people can be unhealthy people to other people mm. as they're dealing with their depression or whatever. And they might unintentionally, you know, latch onto you as, okay, you're going to be the person who helps me. But when you're dealing with your things and you can't help them, what must happen? Just to sum up, because I know I tangented a bit. Yeah, holding sure. space for each other. <laughs> holding space for each other. Creating space for people to talk to, empathize, to relate. Um, on a personal level, creating or being wary of the information you take in, the people that you engage with. Um, it won't fix everything. And like I said, you can't avoid everything, but you can try. Also, making the available mental health resources, the verified ones, more accessible, be it through sharing about them um, or just doing a quick check, you know. Yeah. I think those are a few ways that we can help each other and ourselves. I love that. Thank you so much. And I think um, just to add to that list really quickly, I think one thing that's really done a lot for my mental health, especially in the current economic climate, is I'm no longer shy to tell people I cannot afford things. I used to be very mm -hmm. like, oh, maybe if I rub like two $1 notes together, we can make things work. But I've just now been more open to being like, I'm not coming because not because I don't want to, because I don't have a ride. Because, you know, you make excuses when you say no. But um, mm -hmm. to be very clear with people, like, I genuinely can't afford it. Like, not this month, probably not next month. <laughs> um, I have no issue doing that now. But setting those boundaries is really important, being open um, and honest to people, of course, where it's safe. I've also learned through therapy, no one cares. I promise no one, no one cares. Chipo, thank you so much. This was such a beautiful episode. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know this isn't live, but you guys, it's 5 a.m. I'm kidding, but it's very early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate you making the time. Thank you so, so much. This was such a great episode. Um, I love it. Thank you so much. A huge Thank you to our guest this week, Chipo. Just to plug you really quick, Chipo releases this weekly newsletter called Pop Notes every week full of very timely, poignant, motivational messages that are always so encouraging. I will be sure to share the link for you to subscribe. It's completely free. And once you start receiving the newsletters, you will not believe that it is free. But thank you so much for tuning in once again. And let's continue the conversation. Follow the podcast at, at In This Economy on Instagram and follow me, your host, at Kimia Jekka on Twitter. And yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. And I will catch you next week. <laughs>